Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen with the Makers of Minnesota. I am known for suggesting local products and highlighting Minnesota companies through my networks. I utilize my personal assets with stephaniesdish.com and the Makers of Minnesota podcast to help amplify brands. If you'd like to take that experience a little bit further, I would love to help you. The way we can do that is through social media management, where I help you with your Facebook and your Instagram posts. So many of the entrepreneurs that I know just hate doing social media, and I love it. I can also help you with PR, publicity, getting the word out about your products. Maybe you need some recipe development, or maybe you need someone that can help you find some influencers that will actually move the needle on getting your product bought. You can find me at shansenmarketing at gmail.com. That's shansenmarketing at gmail.com. If you want to explore ways to amplify your brand in 2021. everybody and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota. I'm Stephanie Hansen here to talk to cool people doing cool things throughout the state of Minnesota. And my guest today is Jeremy Prize and he is with Prize Brewing, which he probably, Jeremy, we have a lot of history, but you don't know this. Oh, <laughs> all right. Okay. So here's the weird history. The building that you're in is a co-op. Yes. And I think there, at the time that I owned part of your building, there were eight of us. Yeah. We were we owned the section that was the largest section at the time, though at this point it may have changed configurations where the city of Minneapolis is officing. Oh, right next to us, yeah. Yeah, sure. and we owned that for, I guess, seven years and had our printing and direct mail company located out of there. And then we ended up leasing it to the city of Minneapolis. And then eventually we decided to sell our portion um, to the city. And you guys moved in shortly thereafter. So I feel like I totally know your space. I know your building. I know exactly who's coming to work every day in your area. So how you doing? You know, the parking arrangements and all the traffic and yeah, it's a, you know, it's a a small world and it's true what they say. It's just a, it also the, it speaks a lot of volume for how much, how many things have happened in that cool space. It's really interesting with that building that it was like the first, uh, what is it? They call it the, it's the first, um, um, uh, condoized building where it's yeah. like the, the sector of the building. It's, it's it's a really sweet location, and it's 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 really interesting when you tell people where it is. While it is downtown Minneapolis, it's just on that beautiful outskirts. So when people can kind of get away from the city when they're done with work, they stop by, and you can you can stare at the Mississippi River, and it's just it's just a really nice spot. And it's really after the construction, it just feels like home, you know. Yeah, it's between Broadway and Portland. And it's right on the River Road, 1499 West River Road was my address when I was over there. It is a it is a great building. And I was so glad to see when we started working there, it was a little more industrial. So I was so glad to see the canoe manufacturer, mm-hmm. canoe paddle guys are in there, Sanborn. Super um, nice place. Yeah. And then uh, the climbing gym came mm-hmm. in and we are big fans of your beer. So I'm excited to talk to you. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I hope that this doesn't seem like it's insulting or anything, but when you came into the scene, it was like a glut kind of of all of these breweries coming and it was sort of like, oh, okay, more, more breweries. Mm -hmm. And some of you have done better than others, but I just have to say your beer is really tasty and you do very good beer. 
I, I appreciate it. How did you get into this business? Were you like doing something else before or how did we find you here sitting? I'm, I'm doing a, a video with you. So the listeners don't know this, but there's like 35 kegs behind you or casks, whatever they call them. Oh, yeah, these, are, these are French red wine Bordeaux barrels. Okay. So you're the, brewing this, something extra special in there. This is extra special. So um, what's nice about being able to, you know, kind of bring up prize brewing and get a lot of clean beers. Well, there's an other side of the world, which is actually like mixed culture beers. And so right now I'm actually, what's, this is actually my office. Um, it's kind of funny how that goes together, but we have a warehouse that's off site because these are, are all about mixed culture. And so when we do our clean beers that prize brewing does, we want to make sure that everything there is away from these. We, we do our due diligence for the beer to make them clean and clean taste. Well, this is different. Uh, this is where we inoculate with Brett and PDO and these develop really funky barnhouse flavors, which in the clean world, we would actually view those as off flavors. So this is, this is meant for the, you know, the spontaneous and the, the crazy flavor. So this would be like my mixing lab, which is kind of fun. So, so you're yeah. not even officing at your brewery anymore. You guys are so big. I go back and forth. I've already been to the brewery twice and I've been here twice. And this is just, you know, between, uh, we're doing a major, uh, Kang line upgrade. So what that means is we have now incorporated full stacks of a DPAL and it goes down to conveyance and our cans. It just really, all these efficiencies that we're developing right now at prize brewing is really to, to make it so that our pockets better, better shelf life, taste better, clean, like all these things you have to get to a certain point where you can do a certain amount of barrelage so that you have the tools and you can show the banks like, Hey, you know, this are, what we're doing is working. We're going to do this. We're going to improve this. And so at prize, we're always just improving on our processes, getting everything really dialed in and just, it's one of those evolutions. Like you just keep going and keep going. And even though we can say this is the last step for this, it's really just another step until we do the next step where we keep making everything better and better and keep innovating and keep getting our process better. And so those are tools and, you know, it's, and just based upon this year, it only it took a long time for the big guys, the the engineers that build things for like the summits and like the huge massive places to understand that places that are like, you know, below 20,000 barrels, there's also a market there. And so what that means is we're, we're being able to, they're making and building things for technology wise for us to use that we can afford and kind of keep turning that and making our process bigger too, because craft beer is a big thing. I mean, craft beer in its essence is a part, uh, is a part of society and a part of our city and it's cultural and people identify with your brand. I mean, you can't really identify with a Bud Light, you know, like they're the best at making lagers, but you can't really identify as far as like, you know, you spend money on a Bud Light. It goes, it goes to a different place, which is owned by a different place. I mean, the money that we get when you buy, when you buy a prized beer, it stays local and it pays somebody's wage and stays here and it improves our whole community. And so it's just, those are things that we know that this gives us the energy to keep going because it's really just a good, good, good feeling and a good cause. So how did you get into this business? Uh, well, my background goes back when I was really young. I was in restaurants. So I did about seven years in restaurants. I was a, I was a, I was a chef, worked with a bunch of things, a bunch of flavors, the flavor, the building something for people to enjoy. You know, like when you made your, I always refer to it as like, I'd make the Jeremy Price burger. And it was like, you know, an egg with two, whatever. And then after that, when I went to college, I'm just 
college for design school. And so after that, and there was a kind of turnover where I was like, design's fun. It's great. But I was kind of more interested in the IT or the technical side of things. And so then I got a job with Apple, worked with Apple as a, as a genius for a long time, got shipped away a bunch of places, opened up stores. It was really fun. But the one thing that was really lacking was the creativity to be able to create something. I mean, Apple was a beautiful company and they a lot of things that they taught are, are with me today. Um, but it was nice because when I was working IT, I was always curious if I could like just get a job cooking like, you know, one day, like every Saturday, every other week or something, but nobody's going to hire you working that little. So um, really kind of came to the point where if I took the technical side of IT and then I took the craveness of being a chef, putting those together really is just, it's beer. Like it, it really turns into the, like the, the fundamental changes of, of playing with yeast, you know, funguses and bacteria and creating, ultimately creating an experience in a liquid for, uh, for a consumer to really enjoy. You know, when I look at beer, when you look at going to a restaurant and you're like, oh, I'm going to order the, the ribeye or, you know, whatever you're going to have. And then they have their appetizer. I really see like the beer being an appetizer. It is just an extension of your meal and your experience. It's what brings you into your meal. And it's most likely what brings you out of your meal. So I think that there's a very big importance that people don't see and the responsibility that when you buy something, I mean, you're really going through an experience. If you want an IPA, maybe you want something that complements your meal. Maybe you're going to go with a sour to really, you know, cause the, the change of it. Just, just fascinating. And just kind of the whole picture is just, it just, it just it's what drives me every day to keep going. So creating new flavors and experiences for consumers. is just, it's awesome. This helps me to understand you a lot. And I definitely can feel you when I'm in your place because you mentioned sour. You guys have some really great sours in the summer. Yeah. Fruit forward. I've had some beautiful hazy IPAs at your place. And as a, someone who loves food myself, I can definitely hear and see and almost smell how you're putting those things together because of your palate as a chef. So that's not surprising to me that you have that background. Yeah, what is surprising? Are, yeah, is things all, of, they're all about layers, right? As long as yeah. you layer things properly, you can't just shove everything in there and be like, look at this thing you made. If you can just layer the levels, just like when you do the acids and you balance it with salt and just get everything together as a chef, it's the same thing what we do here when we make a flavor. So it's just absolutely I do feel like the craft beer industry in our town is maturing a little bit. I think we're seeing some of the people that maybe were in it because of the cool factor, but didn't have the beer to back it up are sort of going away. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the cream of the crop rise faster. And we're also seeing a lot of legislation and lobbying around this 20,000 barrels mark and Mm -hmm. trying to get people that are over that to be able to sell their own products in their uh, Mm -hmm. tap rooms, but also that helps you guys that are going to be coming up on that mark at some point. When you think about brewing in, in the twin cities and brewing in Minnesota, has the pandemic helped or hurt? (laughs) Well, it hasn't helped anybody very well. I mean, certain industries, they, they do, um, uh, a big there's there's two parts to that right one is we got to look at our team um i'm just a huge advocate on on being a clear person that developed that like just clear messaging to the team and know that you know like we all want to make sure that everybody's safe clear line of communication um i said this before but it's really based on efficiencies you have to like be clear like what are we doing today is everybody doing their distancing that's a really huge thing 
Um, the positive side of that is it's really increased our communicative behavior internally. So now everybody's just much more aware. We're aware of what we're doing, what processes are happening on one, at certain days. So that's, there's, there's, there's a positive and negative of everything, right? Like now we're going to go, we're hopefully coming out of COVID. And now we still have these new efficiencies and these new communicative processes that will go forward and really make things better. Right. And we, instead of just kind of like still going, that's a positive. Um, as far as business sides, if it wasn't for our, our liquor store partners and the ability just to kind of see how it goes to the tap room with uh, selling crawlers, um, crawlers have been a huge help. Um, people have came in when people come in to purchase from prize and buy a growler or a crawler, or even take uh, Mike Hassan's pizzas home for, for dinner. I mean, there's still an experience there. And even though people couldn't go to the tap room and really see anything, it's nice that we still got a lot of support from our neighborhoods and everybody that's a huge fan. So, you know, the negative effect is all of our, uh, all of our keg sales are gone. So like we had to do this big convert. Um, and that's right now, actually, when I, when we started talking, where I just got done working on the DPAL and getting that up, a lot of our business has converted over to, to like to cans and to packaging good, which is, which, which is nice because it helps our growth. What we're doing, we're, we're continuing to improve those processes, but it's like, now we have all these kegs that are doing nothing. And so we're like, and that shows, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a clear script of what's going on with our restaurant partners because they, they're just hurting so bad and we hurt too, but we have liquor stores. So we, it helps us out, but it's like, you know, like we hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel to kind of continue. And, and like, you know, I talked to, I'm friends with basically the majority of the restaurants and it's like anything, when we come out of this, anything we can do, we're just keep trying to come up with ideas where we can, you know, group things together and figure out how we can like work together again. Cause we're all hospitality. We all, we all provide experiences for everybody. And when you take those experiences away from the city, you kind of lose the identity of what the city provides. And so, um, you know, we're really, really optimistic at getting, getting through COVID. <laughs> so a couple of questions about that are, are, is cans less profitable than kegs? Yes. <laughs> well, it's, and it's not, I mean, cans are scarcity because lots of people had to kind of change their business plan to doing cans, but it's scarcity like cans just in the last year, because there's so many people, well, if there's such a need for it, everything goes up. Right. And so yeah. a can goes up, I think it went up like 5%. I mean, like, that's a lot of money. And then when you just, when you sell things out, then you're uh, selling things at wholesale. So the whole thing is just like, if you're not in cans, you don't have packaging good like that. That's not supported or that's not in keg sales. You just, it's really tough. It's really tough. And I feel for some breweries that are just making it by and um, hopefully everybody can kind of, you know, group together and see that this is, this is really something that concerns like the whole community. Yeah. And we're, when I release this podcast, I'm about a month out typically. So at this point we are just on the verge of, vaccinations. I yeah. know some distilleries and tap rooms that are getting vaccinated. Have you been alerted and your staff? Um, we act, we've just, I mean, it's, well, just based on the time it, uh, we were accepted as far as uh, food producers um, that we were just started yesterday. And I looked at my Facebook out of anything and I was like, Oh, how did you guys get it? So I've already messaged people and they're like, we just did the connection thing. And they, uh, and some people are like, you know, after midnight, if you refresh your screen and you go to like Walgreens or, and uh, I, I was up till midnight last night and everything's closed. So we're all trying to actively go because we know that as a group, we can get past this really easy. And so I'm, I'm definitely pro vaccine and I'm, uh, our staff is really, we're all, we all want to get to the light at the end of the tunnel. And we know that this is something that we have a responsibility as a society to do. And it's good to hear from our staff 
And um, yeah, so certain people have it or they have it scheduled. Uh, unfortunately, I have not came up into the drawing yet. I keep checking my email. And in fact, I even went to my, my, my junk box. I'm like, is there anything in there? Am I missing anything? I'm trying to do as much as I can to find it. So I'm, I'm still waiting patiently. Um, there's a tip for you and it's called Minneapolis vaccine hunters and it's a Facebook group. <laughs> That's awesome. And if you join that, there's about 25,000 people there. And a lot of them are nurses and pharmacists oh, good. and they're really trying to help people get connected. And I really credit them. They, you know, we said we couldn't move ahead to the next phase until 70% of the seniors had been vaccinated. Yeah. And I really credit this group for communicating and getting people online that aren't online and helping people. And so we moved to that mark very quickly. So I'm excited. I think a month from now, I'm probably going to walk into your building. I may still have a mask on, but I think I'll be able to sit outside and not have a mask. And that will be really great. Yeah. It's, you know, we just, we, we long for that, that personal connection with people and, you know, there's just not a lot of cheersing and, and meeting of new people, if you were, if you will. Yeah, no, there isn't. And I, I, I appreciate what you said about your staff. Uh, I'm, I'm peripherally in the hospitality business, right? Talking to people and going in and doing makers meetings. And also my sister's a waitress. And I really appreciate that the owners have been thinking about their employees and it, you guys have really had to do a lot. I mean, on the front line in a tap room or in a bar or in a restaurant mm-hmm. even feels different to me than grocery because in a grocery store, you can just tell everyone to wear masks, right? Yeah. And yeah. whether or not that was 100% effective, we don't really know if we're, yeah. but in a tap, it's like, okay, take your mask off only when you're eating or drinking. Well, that's kind of weird. And there's and, a lot and, of air. And no socialization, no that's walking right. around. Like, like when people, I mean- it's just, it's, it's beer. So you're not looking at like shots or stuff, which is amazing. Cause uh, when you get more alcohol involved, then people kind of go a little bit relaxed, but yeah. you know, we're just, we're lucky to work with the medium that we do that people have been really good and people are conscious about it, but you know, it's just, it's just, it's the things that, that have fallen because of COVID as far as like personal connections, which I just, you know, it's like, it's, we're almost there. We just have to just a little bit longer everybody. If we work as a team and we understand that our actions everybody affects everybody's actions around here. If we can just stick together for a little bit longer, I mean, we're, we're, we're almost there. So. Isn't it weird to think about, and I haven't actually ever talked about this with anybody and you just mentioned something. If you think about like, not necessarily your good friends, cause you've communicated with your good friends, mm-hmm. but it's almost like the tier two people, people mm-hmm. that are your friends that if you saw in a tap room, you'd be like, Hey dude, how you doing? Like what's yeah. happening or yeah. work comrades or people yeah. that, are in that second tier that you have not spoken to other than seeing what they're doing on Facebook and liking it for a year. That's a long time. Yeah. My, my friend, my best friend, the only time I've seen him, we actually started playing video games at night. Like, cause we have a group of like, there's like another brewer too, but we, uh, we play a game like for an, it's just an hour a night. But what's nice about that is we're, well, A, we're like, we play, we're playing a video game, which is kind of fun. Yep. And it kind of takes you back. But like, we're still able, like, where I'm going to see my friend again and be like, oh, hey, you know, like, you just, there's no catching up after a year. It's like, we can just continue forward. But I definitely understand about the tier two. It's really hard. You know, like, you know, the analogy, I made this, I said this to somebody a couple of weeks ago where I was like, you know what, there were, all these breweries came about one time when we started and we were, there's beer events. Like there's a beer, th- 
festival every single weekend. And you just kind of got burnt out of that. Well, when COVID happened, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, all right. I kind of need a break from beer festivals for a bit. But now I'm like, I miss them. I'm like, oh my God, it's gone. Like we, I can't wait until we can just like run up to a tent and be like, can I try your beer? Oh, it's great. Absolutely. Ah. I think about, you know, Matt Kenevin and I are friends and the Growler magazine and does the beer dabbler and you know, honestly, I cannot wait until, a, and it won't even be a City Pages Beer Festival. It won't be That's a City right. Pages Beer Festival, but maybe the Star Tribune will bring it back. I don't know. Yeah. I just miss, I miss all of that too, very deeply. Well, it's um, all the, it's all the beer festivals that are ingrained into our, our craft beer uh, world, because those are going to be the first people that are in line. So like when they do come back, you know, though we also have to support them. So pay attention to those, attend those, say hi to everybody. And then eventually the influx of all the other ones are going to come in there. And while we can support them too and have fun with it, it's really about those key people that are first in line to get people out that really, because we're supporting them. They're part of our industry as well. So, you know, it's, it's as a whole, our team is the city. So like, let's just understand that they're all, they're all players that help create and help bring up um, our, our entire time. So. What people probably don't realize about your space is that you are technically in North Minneapolis. We are. Um, I correct people quite often. (laughs) Yeah, because they think it's sort of Northeast-ish, but it's like, no, it's not. It's North. And I I think that we've partly part of the pandemic that's been so traumatic for the Twin Cities is obviously the George Floyd murder, Mm -hmm. obviously everything that happened after that. Then we went, you know into uh we've been in this period of intense crime in lots of our cities and lots of our areas things that places you felt so safe your whole life i've lived here my whole life i moved away for a couple years you know i just have a really different sense of all that and i i feel like in order to reclaim some of that life and some of that living that we were doing without the sense of fear Mm -hmm. is to be able to reconnect to get outside to be able to look out for one another in our neighborhoods and just be able to talk to people and communicate and not be so stuck in our homes. Yeah. And it's March, right? This is, this is, this is go time. This is when you, this is when you have, you know, your neighborhood night out comes up pretty soon. This is when we start, like, I've got a two-year-old son. This is when you go to a park and you're not like, stay away from them. You're like, Hey, how's it going? Oh, you come to this park too. This is my local park. And this is when you talk to people. And so, you know, over this last year, I mean, we started, to have that. And then it kind of went away. And now it's kind of strange where you're in a park and you're like, you're like, yeah, well, you know, I don't know if these people are infected and that you just, you have this thought of protecting. You're like, come over here, come over here. And it's yeah. just, it's one of those things that, you know, that's also something that us as a society, once, once we're okay, is we have to get past that fear, you know? So that's a, that's something that definitely, you know, just being a father, that's, that's something I'm conscious about. So, but it's, it's kind of fun at the, at my childcare place, because even though when I go to pick up my son, we all have our masks on and like everybody, everybody's like, like, so what are you brewing on right now? Like, so it's, so it's when we come out of this, I think it's going to be really fun to you know do that. I live in, I live in St. Louis park. So it's just, it's very community orientated. And yeah, you probably you know. live by me. I'm in oh, awesome. I live by, right, right. South of bunnies. So it's, oh uh, yeah, I actually am right by theater worth park. So oh yeah, you're, yeah, it's like great, great park system. It yeah. seems like, Seems like everybody around me has kids. So like he's going to grow up with a bunch of, bunch of neighborhood friends. Yes. And your brewery is like literally biking distance from me. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, We've talked a lot about different things and not necessarily just about the business, which is cool too. When you are thinking about like the next five years, is it, 
are you going to get up to that 20,000 barrel mark? And how involved are you in this legislation of trying to lobby the city of Minneapolis and the state to allow people to have more access to your brood products with crawlers and growlers and things that you can do on site? Uh, well, we're, we're pretty active in the community. Uh, that being this too as well. So one of our founders, Mike, is actually uh, working with the guild. And so he's part of their part of their advisory committee. And so it's all it's all a group effort, all the breweries. We use the guild as kind of a forefront to center and kind of collectively bring all of our thoughts together. And then the guild um, obviously has their lobbyists and they and and kind of push things to help business because the one thing that you kind of look at, a lot of our laws are archaic. They're so old. They don't even make any sense. So like, you know, this day and age, and, and this goes true for like the restaurants too. So some of these bills actually, they they mean like, you know, restaurants being able to go and like doing all these things that just, you can do them everywhere else, but you just can't do them here. So, you know, there's a, there's something about being right now in the history. I mean, if you look at a couple of years ago, um, my friend Andrew was the the guy that was leading up the Sunday sales. And so like, now that Sunday sales are here, I mean, our thing is like, you know, is, is lava coming up from the ground? No, it actually, it didn't change anything. It just made it so that something that doesn't make any sense isn't there. And then after the big deal of passing it, you're like, yeah, well, it should have always been that way. You know, so we're just collectively, the guild is trying to make it so like, yeah, these aren't that big of deals, but these help our community. So let's just keep working on it. So, yeah, you still can't buy a car on Sunday. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I don't even know you've heard of that one. <laughs> I know. It's just, it is very weird. There's a I'm lot of weird things. I'm glad I'm not buying a car every every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the exactly. worst things that I've always dreaded is like, oh my God, my car's dying. Oh man. You hope you get something that's not going to break down in a week, right? That's right. As a chef um, and someone who is in the local scene, are there local products that are, that are made by Minnesotans that you like? Uh, I think what uh, Brian Ingram's doing, I think what he... I feel like his message is so, so genuine. And I know Brian personally, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, what he has done with Hope and Hope Kitchen and how he's he's kind of opened up his uh, open open market um, over at the Gnome has just been incredible. I think he's uh, he's just been a huge push and I just, I respect everything he does. I also, I'm friends with Justin and I think what Sutherland has done by bringing awareness and to bring like the food scene and what he does in his communicative properties. And his message is really good. Um, um, is he'll, the whole in diversity we trust, like he's just such a good person and he's not, I mean, it's just not just for Justin, but it's just a good person for the community. So I think what those two have been doing, uh, leading a huge social thing, is just absolutely incredible. So I really, really, really like what they are doing and I support them hundred percent. I'm going to just back up a second. So Justin Sutherland is the chef that owns a uh, handsome hog and also is working on a, a series that has debuted on True TV. His brother is, uh, I think his name is Jason. Jeremy. He has hybrid, na- Jeremy, yeah, Hybrid Nation. That is a clothing line. And they have the In Diversity We Trust hats and shirts. And Justin's a partner in that. And then Brian Ingram, in addition to having Hope Breakfast Bar, he has run a, a kitchen a community kitchen out of his location. He's also taken on the happy gnome. He has taken over the wood fire grilled cantina, which was the former in bloom space. And I just have to say, I used to live before I moved to golden Valley. I lived uh, two doors down from happy gnome basically. Yeah. And he was robbed five times this summer or excuse me, this winter. And it just was getting to the point where it's like, okay, 
this guy who's done so much feeding and serving of the community, if he's not able to operate in some of these areas without getting robbed every week, we have a real problem, folks. So I'm glad that he took his his capital and he spoke up. And I don't know if it just seems like things have calmed down in my mind because we're not hearing about it as much, but I'm hoping that we can start to get back to business in some of these situations. It's also, it's also a proof of uh, Brian's character too. I mean, for somebody that's been, I mean, you can look at all those hits that has been hit so many times that still understands his vision and his, and his uh, basically his voice and what he, what he stands for and still standing behind that. That's just, that's incredible. Like we've at prize, we've had broken windows and stuff. And uh, while it doesn't pay any measurement to what he does, it's just, it just, it's, it hurts. You know, it's, it makes it very difficult and very hard to continue. And you're just like, come on, this is good for the community. We're trying here. And like, let's just keep it going as a whole. So, you know, I just, I, I, uh, I just think it's, I look up and I really uh, think that Brian's really a true, a true person and a, and a true friend. It's so interesting. I mean, we literally, we were in your space for six years, I think, and never once had a thing happen. No cars, no tagging, no nothing. You were kind of in no man's land. So that it's even reached you guys with broken windows and stuff. It's really a shame. Well, I am really excited to come into the brewery. And when I do, I'll make sure that I wave. Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully... I don't know. I'm hopefully hoping I'm going to get vaccinated here in the next four to six weeks. I have a positivity on my side, but I really want to thank you. And I want to just talk real briefly about you did a collaboration with Peace Coffee and I am a little bit, I mean, I like coffee beers. I do. I like hard coffee too, but yours was real good. And I don't know. I was like, why is this so much better than so much of the other coffee beers I've had? Because I think the first coffee beer that I really got turned on to was when Surly had a coffee beer on tap. Yeah, yeah, it was a great beer. And it was the first time I'd ever really had it. And then I've had a ton of coffee beer since. What makes a coffee beer so good like yours? Is it the beer or is it the coffee or is it truly both? It's, It's truly both. You have to look at both ingredients. Both ingredients are a factor of what you're doing. You know, I tried... Uh, Peace Coffee, Jackson sent me uh, a bunch of samples of a different ones. And I went with Yeti. I went with Yeti because of the smoothness. It's a, it's a three bean blend and it's, it's one of their signature blends. And it's, the, there's a funny story that's, it's really, that's reminded to me quite often that I didn't drink coffee either until I got started in this program. And as I started drinking coffee, I started getting more alert, not from the caffeine, but like really understanding what the depths are of all the beans. And so once I learned the depths of those beans and, and how they're created, because I went on site, once I brought that back, then I can then take my brewer sense and kind of go through that and really layer the, the levels. And then I'll not only just make coffee blend, I made, I used the coffee to make the cold brew with my beer. And so now I'm, in, I'm actually incorporating both worlds into one beer and that creates a smoothness with the malts that I used and they just complemented and they came together really, really well. Um, you know, there's the, the running joke is that uh, now that I drink coffee every day, I understand what it means like that. Wait, hold on. Let me have my cup of coffee before we discuss this. <laughs> like now I understand it. I totally get it now. So. I, and I'm going to be like, Cause I drink a coffee beer and is there, this sounds dumb, but do you get caffeinated from a coffee beer? I would assume you would. hundred percent. Like, you know, the way I do it, I use it. I do everything on the cold side. Um, you know, when you look at, when you look at the consumer, how they've gone with their tastes, 
Um, we have the hazy, IB, uh, hazy beer, the New England IPA, which is, it, sh- it shows you exactly where people are. People are going away from the abrasive bitterness. While it's nice to have the change of that, that's not, a West Coast IPA is not there anymore. And so if you, you take that logic and you look at the coffee world, people aren't drinking just black coffee anymore, like straight pressed out of the, the whatever the machine is. Um, they do a lot of cold brews. And what cold brew is, is it gets rid of the bitterness or lack of bitterness. Um, you have to kind of look at how not to extract too many tannins, but when you have that nice coffee flavor that you get the more chocolates, the nice, the nice tones and the roasty flavors that shows you what the roaster did versus just like, give me some coffee. You put those together and you brew it the same way. So a lot of my malts, um, I used, when you make malts, you can either kind of like kiln them or you can like roast them with fire, kind of like what coffee places do. And so if I stick to like more of the same way where they do long periods through the roast versus shortness, you take those and put those together and use ingredients that way. And you're really looking at a real cold brew based upon really nice malts, really nice coffee beans. And it makes it just, and it shows in the end product. It's a nice, smooth beer. It's not, you know, it's a good beer when people that don't drink coffee are like, this is fantastic. And then you have people that drink coffee be like, this is perfect. The coffee drinkers say, I kind of wish there's a little bit more coffee, but I like where it is. And the non-coffee drinkers say, I love where it is. Like, and so like right there, you can't, it's very difficult to make both worlds happen. And we, and we did it. And people yeah, really I like it. Is it a, is it a limited edition or will you have it now in cans for a while? All year round. We know that there's, we know that since we've done this, the, the amount of feedback that we got back, uh, they're like, this is, this is something that you can have every day now. This is something that, because typically I think what people do is when they make a coffee beer, they just make coffee and they blend it and then there you go. And there's, there's, they just don't really meld together very well. But the way we did it is just, it's, 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 it's own product. You have to do it this way. And this is the way you did it. And this is our process. And, and the, the form meets the function and, and it's a, it's a, it's now an annual beer. It's a great beer for brunch or just in the afternoon. Yeah. I have a radio show on Saturdays and I get home usually about 1130 or 12 and I'm like, oh, it's coffee brew time. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it. Well, thanks for being on the show, Jeremy. It's great. Sure. And I'm prize brewing and I'm looking forward to getting out on your patio soon and just supporting you. And I really appreciate how much you support other local makers and you just seem like you've got a real handle on Minneapolis and how we're going to get through this. So I appreciate that about you. We're all in this together. It's that's the thing you have to, you have to look at the big picture. You can't just think you have to look at the big thing and understand that everything affects everybody. And we are stronger as a whole, as a community. And it's just the best thing. The best thing we can do is support everybody. Everybody supports everybody. Yeah. And I think we all want our town back. We We want our town back, but we want to also have a town that, I mean, you couldn't not be, and I hate to say the word woke, but that woke up a lot of us to our own systemic racism, our own privilege, and, you know, as allies or as people that want to support our town and help us move forward, we can't erase what happened and we can't just, you know, keep moving forward without acknowledgement and recognition. And I am hoping that the trial will be part of our healing, even though it's traumatic right now, but we want our town back. Like this is our town. This is, and and we want to be able to scooch over and invite more people to sit on the bench with us come. And I am seeing that I'm seeing more people that are people of color, in business. I'm mm-hmm. seeing more people getting loans. I'm seeing all about, more people. It's all about support. It's all yeah. about support. Everybody needs to support each other. Yeah. Together we win. 
Yep. So I am seeing that in the maker community. And a lot of times that's where it starts, right? Because that's, you start making something and then you get a brick and mortar and then you be able to get a bank loan and then you're able to hire 10 people and yeah. small business in this town employs a ton of people. So if you are someone that's listening and you have a dream, go for it. And if you are someone that is able to help people make a dream, make sure that you're doing what you can and doing your part to lease to people of color, to provide financing for people of color, to provide support, help, encouragement, whatever it is. So we're there. Yeah. Yeah, So much to uh, talk about, but as we get going here, I just wanted to say thank you and I'm excited about your beer and I thanks for being on the program. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was really okay. fun. Thanks, Jeremy. Bye.